On this week's episode of Peak Too Early, the boys talk about the coronavirus and its impact on the sport. We have an interview with Leo Manzano. We recap the Irish Clover 5-miler, and we preview indoor national championships. Let's get into it. This is Peak Too Early, presented by SAV Racing, featuring Mike Gendron, Trent Fontanella, and Steve Gendron. Hey everyone, and welcome back to the greatest running podcast in the world, Peak Too Early. I'm one of your hosts, Steve Gendron, and I am joined by Mike Gendron, who is somewhere off the coast of Connecticut. Mike, how you doing? Steve, I'm doing good, uh, but I just wanted to paint a quick picture for you right off the top of the show here. This weekend, we've got the Indoor NCAA Championships, which is one of my favorite track events of the whole year. The week after that, we've got March Madness Basketball. The week after that, following shortly after that, we got some baseball starting. Then we got some Masters Golf coming in. Then we got the Boston Marathon. The next month of our life is great. So where do I sign up for this self-quarantine thing? Like, get me in a self-quarantine right now. I just want to be in front of my TV watching nonstop sports. If you have a friend who needs a buddy who's in self-quarantine, hit me up. I'm your guy. Like, let's do this thing. Aren't they offering, like, $5,000 to people that, like, want to inject themselves with the coronavirus so they can do, like, tests and stuff on you? Like, Uh, can't you sign up for that? Like. Hey, let, you know, give me the coronavirus, give me a couple thousand dollars and just give me a TV so I can sit down and watch all these sports. That's right. Excuse not to have to run. Just get to sit That's in front right. of the, got a few extra dollars in my pocket. Not bad. Not bad. So, you know, it's Mike, it's, it's you and I, we got a big, massive episode and we're going to get into everything that's coming up in this episode in a minute and why it's so important. But we don't have Trent because no Trent, Trent did. Once again, without fail, the kid is on vacation. And not only is he on vacation, he's in Italy, right? Yeah, he's like on a cruise, a cruise ship, like literally the worst place you could be right now in this day and age off the coast of (laughs) Italy, which is like in shutdown mode. I mean, there's two options here. Trent either just like can't get internet connectivity and like can't call into us or he is like in serious lockdown mode and is in some serious trouble right now. And it's a possibility. The two places you don't want to be right now are A, on a cruise ship, and B, in Italy. And Trent has managed <laughs> to pull them off. But I guess that's what uh, happens when you when you travel as much as that kid does, right? I guess so. You put yourself in a bad situation at some point. And you know what? It's, it's, a, it's a real shame that Trent isn't with us today because, Mike, this is episode number 52. This is our one-year anniversary of the podcast. I can't believe it. It is absolutely crazy, Steve. I mean, and the craziest thing about it is, like, if you told me a year ago today, you know, when we're first starting this and putting out our garbage pilot episode, that a year from today you would have Leo Manzano on your podcast, would not believe that. (laughs) Definitely would not believe that. (laughs) I mean, it was a little over a year ago. You and I were on a run, and we were talking about this idea that we – we had for a podcast and we wanted to get it going. And, you know, the, an important part of that was we, we needed to find, we, we knew that you and I had a good dynamic and that we could bring a lot to the podcast, 
but we wanted to bring somebody else to the podcast that was very different than us and somebody that would <laughs> add a lot to the show. And it was uh and it was Trent and I think Trent has done a, a great job of kind of balancing us out and I'm only saying nice things about him because he's not on the podcast today. Yeah, and he's probably not gonna listen either. So we can say whatever we want and I think he won't have to throw it in our face. And 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 the other funny thing is if if when we went when we were on that run and we were talking about the podcast and we were to kind of create a list of people that we wanted to have on the podcast, I think for both of us, Leo Manzano may have been number one. He very much might be. And you know, I can't talk about it in the interview, we'll get into that obviously. But yeah, I mean, like he was like my guy growing up, like as a five, six, tiny little runner in high school. Like I looked up to to Leo and, you know, I was kind of fangirling out in the interview. And But, you know, that's a huge thing for us. So coming in a year in and getting a silver medalist, Leo Manzano on the pod, that felt pretty good. Yeah. And, you know, I think we can we can be proud of, of what we're doing here. We've 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 uh, our number one goal has and always will be to kind of create a culture and to create like a, a group of like-minded people that love this sport and we approach it differently than most people that kind of celebrate the sport and cover it. So I'm really proud of it and we're going to keep this going because, you know, we said a lot of time that this is this is a lot of work, but we're having so much fun doing this um, and we're, we're, we're going to keep it going for sure. So we've been talking about how we're, you know, we're coming up at the time of year where we would willingly inject ourselves with the coronavirus. We're talking <laughs> about how Trent probably has the coronavirus right now because he's on a cruise ship um, off the coast of Italy. Um, but, you know, the, the coronavirus could potentially big time affect our sport. You know, once every four years, it's our, our sport ramps up at the Olympics and all this talk about the coronavirus, the Olympics, there's real talks right now happening do you postpone or cancel, push it back a year, the Olympics? I mean, this is a real discussion that's happening right now. What do you think, Mike? Steve, when we started talking about this, like when we were down in Atlanta, we kind of brought it up a little bit jokingly. And it seems like since we've been in Atlanta a couple weeks ago, the hysteria has grown increasingly. And we've already canceled an indoor world championship. We've already canceled the half marathon world championship and things are just getting crazier. Every sporting event, there's rumors that like, oh, maybe the Masters will get canceled. Like, oh, maybe March Madness will get canceled. And I think the Olympics is so far away, so it's hard to know exactly what mindset we'll be in when it comes around. But it seems like they need to make a decision on it sooner rather than later. And I would say for the first time in you know this whole process, I'm actually a little nervous that this might happen. Like, it's very yeah. legitimate chance that we might not have an Olympics, which would stink <laughs> because like we've talked about a million times, it comes around only four years and people shape their entire athletic careers in their lives, like their literal lives around this event. So I don't know how you recover from this or how we like figure it out. And I just think it would have a monumentally bad impact on our sport, especially you know, this is the time of year it's like, all right, when the Olympics comes around, track has a chance to, like, make its case for being, like, a popular sport again, and we might be losing that, which sucks. And so the Olympics combine, like, two of, like, the main things that the, you know, quarantine and, and everything that tells you how not to spread this virus, it, it brings two of those things together. You don't want people together in a stadium atmosphere, and you don't want people traveling from corners of the globe to come together. And the Olympics is going to combine both of those things. You will yeah. have people coming from every corner of the globe and coming together in close, 
you know, encapsulated areas in these, you know, stadiums. So um, I get it. Like I get where, you know, you know, why this uh, is, is, is a, is a real conversation. Um, But it brings up the question. I think the, you know, the most important part of if the Olympics does get postponed or pushed back or canceled or whatever, do qualifying, does qualifying for the Olympics stand? Like say we just had the marathon trials, right? Say they have to push the Olympics back a year. Do those podium finishers at the Olympic trials, do they still go to the Olympics in a year? I mean, you could throw a million different arguments out there, but the answer is yes. I mean, it's, you especially look at a year like this and like, okay, I know people throw the argument out like, yeah, you want to have, you want to put the best team out there and maybe in a year or two years or whenever they postpone it till it won't be the, the same best team. But you look at somebody like Molly Seidel, right, who kind of shocked the world a little bit and earned her spot on the Olympic team. You look at a guy like Jacob Riley, who was a bit of an underdog and came out and made the team. A guy like Abdi, who's 43 years old and who knows if he'll still be running in two years. It's like they earn their spot. How could you possibly, Steve, if you are, imagine you had the opportunity one time in your life to make an Olympic team and then someone told you, ah, sorry, we're postponing it. Better luck next time. Like that, you just can't do that on a on a human level. You just can't do that. I'm a, I am willing to sacrifice putting maybe the best team on the course because these people have earned it, and you cannot strip somebody of a chance to go to the Olympics like that. That's just you cannot do that to somebody. So I think I'm very very conflicted on this because for everything you just said, you know how can you take that away from somebody? But at the same time, like you want to send the best American team possible to these games. And I think you have to look at different events in our sport differently. Like I think track and field, much easier to make the case like you do in other trials. Marathon, where it's like it's like a five year buildup. It's a you know, you know, five to three year buildup to get ready for the for the marathon trials. That makes it a little bit more complicated. That makes it that makes it tougher to do that. Um, and you know, I think that you also have to look at like how you know how real is it realistic is it that we medal in those events? And so you know, I think we have some real shots at the medal in the Olympics. But do you think Abdi Abrahim is going to is you know do you think him do you think he's going to medal? Do you think he has a real chance to medal? And if somebody else took his place, would they have a real chance to medal? So, I mean, I think that that's that needs to be part of the discussion too. And maybe you approach it like some of the other countries approach it, where you know not everybody has a trials. Like there's a committee that picks the athletes. Maybe you do something like that. Yeah, I I get it, and I get that. Like usually, I'm all on the side of we need to put our best guys out there. I just this is such a unique situation of canceling it, especially after the trials have already happened. And I think when you like look at, yeah, obviously track and the marathon are going to be different the way you approach it, but you have to have a standard, right? You can't, if you're going to accept the trials qualifiers, you have to accept them across the board. I mean, at this point, who knows, the track trials might not even happen. If the Olympics aren't going to happen, the track trials probably won't happen. But um, yeah, I just, to me, this is such a unique scenario that I, I'm trying to put myself in those shoes for a second and that's like the worst thing you can do to a person. Literally every athlete, every marathon or every track athlete, their number one dream is to make that team put on that USA jersey and represent their country at the Olympics. 
and you are taking away like the most important thing to these people. I just don't know how you do that. And they earned it, right? Like if you, what are you going to do? Like send them like a thank you, maybe like a bonus check and like, yeah. but you don't get to like compete at the Olympics. Like you literally earned a spot on that team. Like how do you not let them compete there? I just, I don't know. It's going to be a nightmare for whoever has to make that decision. I can tell you that much. I'm happy it's not me. Just give them all a gold medal and uh, and a bonus. I guess. Indeed. We. I mean, <laughs> what would that bonus have to be? I don't know. What, what are we talking? I'm I'm gonna need at least a year of salary to to warm me up and butter me up to make me okay with it. I think. Even that. <laughs> all right. Let's stop talking hypotheticals and let's get into the news. What's actually happening today in the in the running world? All right, so we're going to start the news the way that we do most uh, most of the time these days with a uh, little riding dirty. Hit me Hit with, me with millionaire. a millionaire. There it is. Um, <laughs> yeah, so we got pretty, pretty much just like everybody under the sun getting hit with uh, <laughs> doping allegations and bans and stuff like that. So we got Kenneth Kiprop, uh, Kimo. How did I do there, Steve? Nailed it. Nailed it. Okay. He was the uh, winner of the Rotterdam Marathon, fourth in Chicago, third in Boston. He's getting hit with a suspension for anti-doping violations. And then we got uh, Ruth Jabbit. How did I do on that one? Nailed it. Okay. She is the world steeplechase champion. So she was actually like a complete stud in the steeplechase, just like dominating the steeplechase. Where she's getting a four-year ban for anti-doping violations. So, yeah, we got more going on, but the craziest part of, like, this cycle is of it is people are finding their voice. There's just people chattering nonstop. We got Walmsley, Jim Walmsley, the guy who, uh, the NAZ guy who ran this Olympic trials, he's talking on Rupp, he had some, like, comment where he's pretty much just saying, like, nobody really roots for Rupp, nobody wants to see him do well, and he kind of sugarcoated after that, but we got the point. And, you know, he's alleging, you know, making uh, some sideways comments at Rupp, maybe saying some claims at him. Then we had Emma Coburn go on Instagram and just absolutely go after uh, Jibet, the steeplechaser, because she lost to her in the Olympics last time around in 2016. Basically, just she started off her Instagram post by saying "cheater, cheater, pumpkin eater," and then basically went on this rant about how you know she you know took away an opportunity for her to get a gold medal and this and that and the other and called her out big time. And then finally, which I think is very fair. I think it's if, very if fair. Some, if somebody took if somebody took a, a medal spot away from me and you know a lot of money, then I would be pissed too. Yep. And then so the final example of it was uh, Kip Camo. He beat Fobble in the Boston Marathon. So Scott Fobble, our guy, tweeted at him basically uh, saying, like, hey, where's where's my $10,000 in prize money that I lost because I not only getting more uh, doping stuff coming out hardcore, but people are starting to get loud about it. People are starting to talk, and I don't think this is going anywhere anytime soon. So we've been kind of calling for this, right, this, like, People start talking, but is this is this how we wanted to see it? Is this the right path? Like, wh- how are we going with this right now? Well, I mean, I think we've talked about we talked about quite a bit, like ideas, like you know, to make the sport clean, and how does the how does the sport get 
take a step toward being clean. I think, you know, the athletes who are clean being very vocal about, you know, them being clean and, and, ha- and having, you know, some, some hard, some very strong feelings against people that have taken money away from them in the past and have, they've had to compete against is, is going to, you know, help the sport police itself a little bit. And, you know, things like Scott Bobble, Emma Coburn, I love both of their posts. I think they're both completely in the right to say the things that they did, but I don't understand the Galen Rupp being dragged up here. And I know that the ties to Salazar, but, you know, I did see this tweet and I sent it out to you guys. I sent it out to you guys the other day just to kind of put things in perspective a little bit. So in the past two years, and so it went down the uh, Olympic marathon qualifiers. So, uh, you know, Ali Tumamak, she was tested once in 2019. She hasn't been tested in 2020. Molly Seidel, never been tested. Sally Kipiego hasn't been tested in the past two years. Abdi Abrahim, tested five times in 2019, hasn't been tested in, in 2020. Jacob Riley, tested once in 2019, hasn't been tested in 2020. Galen Rupp, tested 10 times in 2019, has been tested twice in 2020. And I'm not throwing shade at the people that weren't tested. I'm just using this to prove a point of how much Galen Rupp has been tested in comparison to the other Olympic trials qualifiers over the past two years. Yeah, no, I I totally agree with that. I think that was a little bit uh, of an unfair, I mean, I will say it was the least aggressive, you know, comments by Walmsley of all of them. But still a little unfair. I mean, I think you have to have some kind of level of proven innocent until proven guilty. And I get the whole thing with Rupp. And, you know, we have plenty of time to keep going down that rabbit hole. But, no, you're right. I mean, the dude's been tested a lot, and he's never tested positive for anything. So I think being – we got to – I think we need to be vocal about this stuff. And I love drawing up some controversy and stuff like that. But I do think it's important to be careful where we aim our – you know, targets and our shots and stuff like that. Um, sure. Because like we said, this is going nowhere. I wanted to like go over one other thing too is, so the um, guy from the athletics integrity unit, this guy, uh, Brett Clother. So I don't exactly know what the athletics integrity unit is, but in my mind, I'm seeing like, you know, kind of like secret agent FBI's of the, the doping world. They got like cool black suits and sunglasses and like little microphone on their sleeves that they talk to each other. <laughs> I don't think that that's how it actually goes, but basically he had some kind of comment basically saying that going into these Olympics, you are going to see doping cases that will be shocking to a lot of fans. Um, so I mean, we are very far away from being done with this stuff and you know, people are just dropping like flies right now, and it's going to get worse and worse and worse, which here we are again, talking Ryan Dirty, probably going over the Chameleonaire song once again, and I'm sick of talking about it. I, you know, I'm more sick of talking about this than I am talking about coronavirus, and we just started talking about that this episode. <laughs> so one thought I just had is, you know, if <laughs> if you're somebody that's not if you're a, a trials qualifier or you're somebody that's, you know, kind of a shoe in to, to qualify for the trials and you're not like aggressively calling out every single person that gets popped over the next couple months, then should we assume that your name is going to come out or it, should well, it be, re- or should it be the reverse? If you, if you think that you might get popped, 
and you're a shoe in for the Olympics, maybe lean into it and go very aggressive and just start <laughs> yeah. calling out every single person to make it look like, oh, this you know guy or girl must be clean. They're calling out everybody. Yeah, and I feel like that's a trap we fall into a lot. We kind of talked about this when we were talking about Mo Farah, but like just because you're calling people out and denying that you've done anything, I'm not saying that any of these people are, but that doesn't make you any more clean than anybody else, right? I mean, you're still just as much in the mix. And like I, where I agree with you on like your whole rub thing on how much he's been tested, just because you've been tested 10 times still doesn't mean you're positive. And again, we always come back to this point. It's like that's what sucks about this is like there's no way to know unless you have hard physical evidence that you got you know, hit with a drug test and, and you got hit with a positive test. There's no way to know who's clean and who's dirty, no matter who's saying what, no matter who's doing what or acting a certain way or how many times they got tested. It's just that is the most infuriating part about it is like there's no way for us to know what's actually going on. couple thoughts. So the four-year bans, right? I get the four-year bans. You know, our sport revolves around every four years. But we're in a very unique situation where if you add one more year to that ban, that makes it significantly worse, going from four to five years. Because as you get closer to the Olympics, if you're within a year of the Olympics, you could potentially miss two Olympics. So I say let's do away with four-year bans, make it a five-year ban. Because that fifth year is significant. Also, mm-hmm. also, was his name uh, Kenneth Kiprup? Um, was he? Is this the second time he's been popped? Mm. Did I did I read that? I don't want to. I don't want to say. It's possible. It's possible. Okay. <laughs> Anyways, I thought I read that somewhere. I apologize to Kenneth Kiprup if it's not. But um, if you get, I'm sure he's at, listening. Yeah. Right. If you get popped at any point in your career. Right. And you serve your suspension and you come back. Any prize money that you win gets put into a bank account. Right. And you can collect interest on it. But you don't get access to that money for a certain amount of time. And if you ever get popped after that original suspension, then that money's taken away from you. What do you think (laughs) of that? I mean, that would definitely prevent people from. Well, no, because the reason using. I thought of, the, the the reason I thought about that, right? Like Scott Fobble's tweet, like, oh, you owe me ten thousand dollars, right? But it's not like you can't just like take the ten thousand dollars from him and give it to to Scott Fobble, right. right? So like, what if it was a way, like, you know, if you if you get caught with drugs or or whatever at some point in your career, and you come back, we'll give you the right to serve your suspension. We'll give you the right to come back. We'll give you the right to earn prize money. But you don't get that money until, you know, you retire or five years after you win it. And if you ever get popped at any point during the rest of your career, we just take that money from you. I mean, it's it, like I, being in prison a little bit. You get a little exactly. like uh, a little leeway still, time there to get your get yourself back on track and prove it, you know, and then you can start making your money. All right. I mean, you can still you can still get your money, but, you know, there's significant risk to losing that money. So I don't know, just kind of brainstorming some ideas to make it to make it the punishments more severe and deter people even more. So if they do lose that money, where does that money go? Does it get distributed to like the fourth place finishers that yes. you know that they or does it just go back to, you know, World Athletics or whatever agency that oversees this all? Uh one of two things. Either A it gets distributed to the people that would have won it. B, 
we just have like a, a giant party. Like we just take the money and we just have like a giant like track party, you know, cross country something like that. That's a good idea, but I think I actually have the solution. Or I think you, I I got it. You take all of the money, all of the money, and pull it up, pull it up, and then once a year you have like a road mile, just like this awesome road mile, and all of the leftover money goes to the winner. So you just have like make it a prize. So it, it could be. <laughs> zero dollars who knows or it could end up being like a hundred k for a road mile oh even better mike even better they don't drug test for that road mile right so you (laughs) so you could be an athlete that is just taking everything and not competing in like at the world stage and all not competing you know professionally just hoping that there's a pool for that road money road mile for all of the you know all the money that got confiscated from from a legal I think all of the uh, issues with doping. (laughs) Yeah, there we go. (laughs) So the last news story, Steve, that I want to talk about, we don't need to go too deep into this, but so this guy, Marty Heher, he finished sixth at the Olympic trials, and I kind of feel bad for the guy because he had this unbelievable race, finished the sixth at the Olympic trials, around like a 2.11, but every article that's being written about him right now and here we are talking about it. Won't stop talking about how the fact that at mile 18, he stops to take a crap on the course and still finish six Olympic trials. What do you think, Steve? Well, I mean, we're over here talking about, you know, what EPO and other performance enhances. I mean, I think being able to relieve yourself like that in the middle of a marathon is the biggest performance enhancer there could possibly be, right? He's, he's lightening the load. <laughs> yeah, no, I feel bad for the guy. I mean, he top ten the Olympic trials, and just people are talking about a bowel movement. I mean, it's hilarious, right? It, it <laughs> is mean, hilarious, but I mean, like, but... It, it it's such a huge part of the sport. Like I and I say that like ironically and funny, but like, come on, this I happens mean, at marathons all the time. Like, you know what I mean? Like, this isn't like breaking news that a marathoner had to stop to take a crap in the middle of the race. Well. I think it also points at how poor or how bad the the uh, you know marathon and track media coverage is, where like everybody like latches on to like the smallest like detail yeah. they know about you and they just <laughs> blow it up. Like Desi said, she liked drinking whiskey one time. Now it's all anybody ever talks to her. It's like, oh hey, Desi's like me. She likes bourbon. Blah 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 blah. Oh, this guy took a crap in the middle of the race. He's like me. Let's talk <laughs> about this forever. Like, come on, be better. Yeah, it. I mean, it's it, it makes a mockery of our sport, but at the same time, like it, it's a funny storyline. But shout out to Marty. We're here talking about your poop too, but awesome performance, and I mean, amazing race. Great, great work out there. So hopefully, you start getting some legitimate press soon. <laughs> I think he's a fan of the program. I think we should have him on soon. Yeah, we'll get him on. We'll get him on. Hopefully, we won't ask too many poop questions. <laughs> oh, good. Um, so, hey, we talked about it at the beginning of the show, but let's get into our interview with the legend, Leo Manzano. All right, we are here with multiple-time NCAA national champion, multiple-time Olympian. He has a silver medal at the Olympics in the 1,500 meters. In fact, he's the first American man to win a medal in the 1500 meter at the Olympics since Jim Ryan in 1968. Leo Manzano, welcome to Peak Too Early. Hey, thank you so much. 
So, Leo, I think when you look at the state of mid-distance running in the U.S. right now, we're in a really good spot. We have good runners in the 800 meters, 1500 meters in the mile. And I think when you look at it, a lot of it has to do with the success that you had. You know, a lot of these guys coming up, they're watching you race and they wanted to be like you. Now that you're retired, what's it like looking back and seeing your impact on the sport? You know, I, I look back and it's, it's pretty awesome. I mean, all these guys are, you know, they're very, very strong. Um, you know, it's, uh, I think as, as I look back too, right. I mean, it's always kind of been a, a stepping stone, right. Um, you know, it's, it, there, there's been a lot of other runners in the mix as well. And, you know, when I was kind of coming up, you know, I was looking at Bernard Lagarde and, and Alan Webb, like, like those are the guys that I, I was, you know, pretty much just trailing. Um, and then was very, very fortunate to, you know, just kind of go through the ranks and, um, and you know, and, and, and making it through, Olympics and, and certain world championships and, you know, eventually just being able to be, be the first to bring that, uh, or one of the first to bring home that, uh, that silver medal. Yeah. So Leo, this is kind of a, a little bit of a fanboy interview for myself. We, we try to trying to be professional here, but you know, at the times that you were winning medals and going to Olympics, I was in high school and, you know, as a short guy myself, you know, I kind of looked up to this dude. He's out there, you know, five foot five, just crushing it. And I was like, oh man, if he can do it, you know, why why can't I do it? Does it does it bother you though when people kind of like put labels on you? It's like, oh, you know, you know, you're you're labeled by you know the short guy out there doing it or whatever else people are saying. Or is that something you kind of embrace and just it becomes part of who you are? Yeah, you know, I I, I think that it's it's always kind of become it's been one of those things that. Um, I've I've tried to not let it bother me anymore. Um, I think perhaps maybe at one point when I was younger, when I was you know middle school or high school. Um, but you know, if anything, I've always tried to see it more of as as a strength, right? Um, just because you know you know I I because of my background, kind of where I'm from, you know, probably not the the, the tallest guy in the room or not the biggest guy in the room. Um, you know, and on, on that note, it's I, I think any time that you do anything. Um, you have to lead with action, right? And um, usually what happens is, is, as we know, even in our current society, there's a lot of talk. People talk all the time, right? But it's like, hey, you know, why, why not show us what you can do? Why, why not get out and, you know, get out of your comfort zone, you know, and, you know, stop hiding behind phones, you know, and just get out there and prove yourself, right? And, and what better way than, than to get out there and race, right? And, and, and show people what you can do. So my my favorite videos are the ones where you and Andrew Weeding are neck and neck, and it's hilarious because Andrew he he's one of the bigger guys on the track. He's super tall, and then you're a little bit shorter, and it just it just goes to show that you know there's no like right like body type necessarily in this sport. Like there's a there's a million different ways to do it, and that's one of the beauties of this sport that it all comes down to to hard work, guts, and it's not really doesn't really matter necessarily how you're built. Absolutely. You know, I think one of the things one of the things that I try to encourage is is just for people and kids in general um, to believe in themselves. Right. I mean, I think that's what it comes down to, um, you know, be, because honestly, if you do the work, if you do the work, if you um, you know, if you have a plan, um, if you do all, if you're doing all the right things sooner or later, you're bound to have a win. Right. Um, you know, at the same time, like, don't be afraid to fail. Right, because failure is 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 a part of it, right? We all fail, 
Um, I, you know, I think even before that silver medal, I mean, you know, I, I well, even before that silver medal and before a lot of my best races, I have actually probably had my worst races, right? I mean, um, and it's interesting, right? Because it's it's kind of hard because people, for some reason, only see all the good things, but, you know, they also fail to see that, hey, like, I've had, you know, terrible races along the way, right? Um, but, um, you know, at, at, at the same time, it's like when I've had a bad race, it's like, hey, that's, that's, that's actually a good thing, right? Because I get to go back to the drawing board. It's like, hey, what happened? You know, you, you think about... You know, what was it the mental aspect? Was it, you know, the, the training aspect? And, and if anything, it also gives you more fuel for the fire, right? And, and that's kind of what impulses you or pushes you forward to get better results. Yeah, definitely. Is that something that you've always been able to? Because I can imagine, like, some of these young kids coming out of college and, and young in the sport, you know, when you have a bad day or a bad stretch, I, I feel like it can be pretty you know, debilitating and, and be hard to come out of. Was that something that it took you a while to develop the ability to bounce back and be like, hey, it was just one race? Or is that something that always came a little bit more natural to you? Uh, you know, I, I think along the way, it, it always had to be something that I had to develop. Um, just learning how to, you know, because I think anytime that you, you know, you finish in a place that you don't want to finish or you, I mean, you know, call it as it is, you, you lose, right? Um, or you've had a, just a terrible race or a terrible performance, you know, um, I, I think during that time, it's, it's usually pretty hard or pretty easy to get, you know, to, to be really hard on yourself. Um, and I think to an extent, I, I think it is good to, to be hard on yourself. It's like, Hey, right. You want to improve. What do you have to do to improve? Right. And, and then, um, when, so when you fail, yeah, you're, you're, you're having to go through all these, um, yeah, this tough time, right? But that tough time can be also used in an appropriate way where it's like, okay, well, you know, what do I need to do to, to, to better myself, right? Whether it's, you know, what, do I need more sleep? Do I need to focus on nutrition? Do I need to focus, you know, like on my race tactics? Um, and and, and this is, these are just little ways, right, that, that you can improve, right? Now imagine, um, you know, if you do one thing, right, you do one thing to improve, right? I mean, that could be, you know, a second or, or, or a tenth of a second, right? Which in races, and in especially in an Olympic caliber race, races are won by, you know, tenths of a second, right? So, I mean, every little step, every little thing that you do, it matters. For sure. So I want to take you back to the moment that I became a huge Leo Manzano fan. So 2008, outdoor national championship right so you're lining up against the likes of david torrance you got uh, garrett heath it's a windy day it's the last time that you're going to be wearing the burnt orange for texas and uh, you won the national championships in 2005 but it'd been a couple years since you had been atop of the podium and you know what the smart thing would have been to do to maybe tuck in for a couple laps let the race shape out and then go for the win no, no, you took it out hard. You led every step of the way, wire to wire. You know, what was your mindset going into the race? Was that the plan or did you just get excited out there and decide to go for it? <laughs> yes. So, so there was a couple of things that were happening, right? So, you know, there was definitely fuel for the, from, uh, fuel from the fire for, you know, having not won, um, you know, having gone a kind of a streak without winning, right? Which, so, you know, again, going back to not always winning, you know, it's not always a bad thing, right? As long as you continue to, to try to improve or improve and just learn from those, uh, from those failures. 
so there was definitely some fire. Um, I knew it was a very windy day. Uh, the, the wind was just, I mean, it was very intense. You could see just the flags just kind of going. And um, I took it out, right? And, and, and usually what happens in most races, I, I've always kind of been about mid, middle pack to the, you know, perhaps, the, you know, two-thirds of the pack up somewhere. And that day, nobody wanted to go up front, right? <laughs> so I, I found myself up front. And so I was like, okay, well, I'll lead, right? And I think, if I'm correct, I, th- I think it was right about, um, I th- the first lap was about 59 seconds. Um, and I figured that at that point, like, somebody was bound to, like, come up and, and kind of take the lead, you know? And and that's that's kind of what, you know, it's one of those things that you think about. It's like, hey, like, anytime you race, sometimes things are going to be fair, right? Just like in life, sometimes you think things are going to be fair. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, nobody wanted to lead, right? So then I was like, okay, I'll take the second lap. Um, I took the second lap and, and, and I kind of had a, a thought that somebody would want to take it again and, but nobody did. And then I was like, okay, nobody wants to take it. All right. Well then I'll take it. Um, and so at that point, uh, with, you know, cause I guess it would have, we'd already done three laps. It was getting ready for the last lap and everybody had just been tucking in, just kind of waiting, um, conserving energy. And so at that point it was, it was kind of more just grit, right? I mean, it's like, hey, guys, I just did all this work, and I'm not going to let you have it that easy. Like, yes, because <laughs> I know that at this point, you guys had just sat back, tucked in, relaxed. Um, now, if you want it, like, you guys are going to have to come get it from me. Um, and so that's that's pretty much the, the exact way that it panned out. Um, you know, there were, there were various uh, attacks from, you know, Garrett Heath, David, um, you know, there was a couple guys from, from I, I forget exactly who was on that race, but, you know, there was at least three to four attacks from different, different guys. And each time I was able to cover their moves. Um, and, you know, I think the fact that nobody helped me in that race kind of, uh, spurred some, uh, just some more fire, <laughs> I would say. Yeah. Um, so with a hundred meters to go, I was like, yeah, like, there's no way I'm gonna let you guys have this guy. <laughs> and, um, yeah. And, and then, so just kind of started that, uh, you, you know, that, that, that kick that I normally do. Um, and I think I, I may have put on like 20 or 30 meters on them. <clears throat> Love it. So I, w- I want to bring you to a different race and I'm sure that this is a race you've talked about at nauseum, right? And you won this race a very different way. Your 2012 silver medal run when you came from, you know, second to last to second in, you know, a matter of 250 or 300 meters. And I am sure you have had to talk about this race, like I said, an incredible amount. So I want to ask you a couple different questions that you might not have ever gotten before. How many times have you had to describe that race to people? <laughs> <laughs> well, um, it, it has definitely been, um, you know, I, I can't even remember. I mean, at this point, it's, you know, it's, it's definitely been some years and I've definitely, uh, I, I've, I, I have definitely described that race several times. Yeah. All right. So where in your house do you keep your silver medal? Oh man. Undisclosed location. Undisclosed uh, in location. A <laughs> <laughs> in, a, in a potential drawer <laughs> okay love it how how many how many times do you look at it and when you look at it does it still like give you that same has it lost its you know its beauty yet or is it still beautiful every time you look at it you know i it's it's one of those things that i i don't look at at it often uh but when when i do kind of run run by it i get or I, you know because it's it's in this area of my house where i don't i don't make it often 
but sometimes I, ha- I find myself in there and then it's like, I just happen to see it. Um, but it's, it's definitely one of those things that I, that brings back a lot of just really good memories. Right. And, um, but at the same time, it's, it's kind of like, um, you, you know, being able to, to achieve that medal, um, also came with a lot of hardship. Right. So, you know, it, it's, it's interesting, right? Because normally people see all the good, right, that you do or, or, you know, the success, right? But normally they don't see all the, you know, the 6 a.m. hours or the, you know, 5.30, the, all the, you know, the injuries you had to go through, the, you know, the heartbreaks and all that, right? Um, so when I see that, I mean, it also reminds me of all the, the hardships that, that I had to, you know, face or overcome to, to, to just even be at the Olympics and then from, you know, at the Olympics you know, be able to achieve that medal. Yeah, that is, I can imagine that is, uh, brings back all the good feelings. So my last one would be, do, uh, you know, you know, your kids, like the younger, the, the younger generation in your life, do they fully grasp what that means for you to be a silver medalist? Or is it just like, yeah, whatever. He was good at running one day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, I actually, I, and I laugh, you know, because um, at the end of the day, I, I think, you know, and I, I, I see myself as a normal person. I mean, I, you know, I, I still have to get up. I, I still have to put, you know, put on my socks and shoes just like everybody else, um, you know, and, and having a kid or, you know, your brother, your sister, they normally just look at you as just, a you know, a normal person, which yeah. is fine, right? Because we yeah. all need to be level-headed at, at, you know, at some, at some point. Right. Um, but yeah, they, 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 they just see me, you know, whether it's just their brother or their dad. And so you, we, you know, we keep it very mellow here. Um, so that, I mean, it still means that I have to like clean up after people or, or, or after, you know, my son and all that stuff. So he doesn't <laughs> care that I'm, <laughs> that I'm <gonna> live <laughs> So now you're, you're retired from professional running, but it seems like you're making a really, um, strong effort to stay involved in the running world. You're connected with Hoka. I saw that you were yeah. posting a lot about the Austin marathon. Um, so what, what are you, what exactly are you trying to, to do in the running world still? And is it, is it something that's important to you? Yes. And it's actually very, very important to me just because of, uh, how I came up in running, um, just my background. But, uh, for me, it's literally to, to inspire the next generation. Uh, I mean, that, and that, and that's it, you know, um, I don't, it, to me, it doesn't matter where, where, where people come from, right. As long as they have that will to, to survive the, the will to live on and to continue. Um, I think that that's really what matters, right. And usually if they have that will to, to want to, continue moving forward and continue improving. I mean, I, I think that that's what we all strive for. Right. And, um, and it doesn't matter if it's, you know, um, you know, a, a kid in Kenya or Mexico or Canada or, you know, wherever in the U S like, you know, it, it doesn't matter to me. Right. If we can inspire them, um, whether it's, you know, whether it's, you know, we're at one of their schools or we're doing events, or, you know, even if it's through social media, right? I mean, that that's my goal is, is to just continue inspiring the, the next generation, right? Because eventually what it comes down to, it's like, hey, one day, you know, we're going to be gone, right? And But if, if you could leave just a, one little, you know, piece of, of that, whether it's the next little inspiration or memory so that they, you know, these, these kids, these next kids, could hopefully continue on and, and continue inspiring 
the next generation, right? That I think, I think that's really what it comes down to. Yeah, I, I've really enjoyed kind of following your uh, post-professional runner kind of branding because, yeah, you, you all your social media and listening to you talk, you're super inspirational and it's, you know, very feel-good social media. It's You're doing a great job with it and I, I really appreciate what you're doing with your brand. But another piece of your brand I want to touch upon is there is so many athletes that have the lamest logos in the world, right? Sometimes they're like put together and weird and awkward. You have the coolest logo I think I have ever seen. You got like the, you know, the lion with the wings. And so can you tell me about like how that came to be and where that logo comes from? Yeah. So so we call that the, the flying lion. Um, and so, yeah, 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 the flying lion. And so that actually came, um, uh, well, part of it was, you know, that my name is Leo, uh, Leonardo Leo. Um, and when I was in high school, middle school and high school, people would call me the hunter, uh, again, because of the, my style of running, you know, the, the tactics that I would use kind of go from the back. And it was just like, all of a sudden I was just, it almost seemed like I was hunting people. And so Leo, the hunter, you know, and then it's like, Oh no, his name is Leo, Leo, the lion. Um, and so long story short, a while back, it was, it, um, I can't exactly remember when, maybe circa, circa 2011, 2010 or so, um, you know, I, I started kind of, or, you know, th- this concept kind of started kind of coming about. And on top of that, it's, you know, the, the logo for track is the, the wings, right? And so it just kind of made sense, right? So you have the wings for the track. You have the lion, the hunter, a wing lion. It, it just made sense. It's perfect. And, and, Love and it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, Leo, this has been so much fun having you on. It really means a lot that you came on to, to talk with us two idiots for a little bit. But we end every single interview with a quick game. So, Mike, why don't you kick off down the home stretch? That's right. The oh, name man. of the game. I can't even believe this is over. I thought it was just getting started. <laughs> <laughs> Leo, I'll keep going all day if you want. <laughs> <laughs> oh, all right so the yeah, name of the game I, I, i'm ready <laughs> the name of the game is down the home stretch basically what it is we're going to rapid fire questions up to you at a specific topic and since you are a retired man now we're going to hit you with retirement question so steve oh, no. let's do it <laughs> all, right. <laughs> all right leo has it fully set in that you don't have to go for a run if you don't want to uh yes and no <laughs> <laughs> What, what do you do with all your time? Uh, I'm actually super busy. So, you know, <laughs> I, I, I'm a consultant for HOCA. I'm an athlete representative. Um, I'm an ambassador for several organizations, Austin Marathon Department of uh, the, the Metro Department of Health. Um, you know, I, I also do work with, um, you know, well, I guess I do several events throughout the year. Uh, so it just kind of depends on, on where I'm being pulled to. And I also work with a couple athletes as well. You're the don't worst retired person ever. <laughs> yeah, you don't sound very retired to me. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. What do you miss less? The painful track inter- intervals or the grueling long runs? Oh, my God. I, oh, that one's a tough one. I, You know, I'm going to go with the track workouts because I, I can still do a, a long run, but, you know, the track workouts were tough. Yeah. What would you say your weekly mileage is right now? Oh, my God. Uh, I'm going to have to say about 15 to 20 miles per week. That's pretty much what I do. <laughs> yeah. What do you miss more, 
hanging out with the team, or post-race celebrations? Hanging out with the team. Most right. definitely. Mike, hit him with the last question. All right. Have you picked up any cool hobbies like playing golf or tennis or any other retired hobbies? <laughs> oh, my God. I, um, God, you know, so I, I, I haven't. I haven't, but I'm very, um, I have different little projects that, that I'm involved with. Um, I guess in terms of hobbies, though, um, something that I've always done is, is I keep aquariums. So uh, more, I, I keep like saltwater aquariums and one of my hobbies is actually growing coral. Um, and, and that's something I really enjoy doing. Leo, thank you so much for coming on. This has been a ton of fun. Uh, we look forward to uh, maybe crossing paths with you in the, in the near future. I, absolutely, guys. Anything, anything you guys need, please let me know. Hey, and, thanks, and, Leo. And that interview with Leo Manzano was brought to you by 27 Video. Whether you're married to the game of running or getting married to another runner, let 27 Video take care of all your video needs. We can show in 4K the beads of sweat on your calves in a road race or your gorgeous wedding on a lake. Choose 27 Video. We love weddings and we love running too. Shout out to 27 Video. They're, uh, they're putting together some major content. For the Peak 2 early brand, we had them down in Atlanta with us. They had a little sneak peek, little teaser of that video dropped, and the full video will be dropping soon. And, Mike, we had them out at the Irish Clover 5-Miler this past weekend. And, you know, once again, teaser dropped. We're going to have the full video dropping soon. But, uh, like I said, we, you know, we, we finally had the Irish Clover 5-Miler in Drake, Massachusetts, which we have been pumping up for months. And it completely and totally lived up to expectation. What an amazing day. Awesome venue. Awesome course. Beautiful weather. Great after party. And it was one of the best road races I've ever been to. Steve, it was fantastic. The weather was perfect. And the course was great. It wasn't too hard. But, you know, enough little hills in there. Mix it up. But... I mean, really, when you rate a road race, right, like when you're showing up to this, the things that you want, you want a well-organized and well-run race. You want a course that's not ridiculously stupid. But most importantly, you want, like, a a great after party, and you want just, like, a, a great group of people and enough people to, like, get the, the party rolling for a good amount of time. I mean, there were people doing like Irish jigs in cowboy boots until like six o'clock at night. I mean, this party was rolling for like 10 hours straight. It was insane. Uh, so yeah, I mean, what a great time the race was and just shout out to everyone who was there. Shout out to 27 video for capturing it. I mean, just a perfect day. Lots of Miller lights to be had that day. So many Miller lights. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I was there. I mean, I got there, I was there at 6am helping set up and, you know, it was a long day for me and, you know, the, the race went off and the after party and I left, I ended up leaving the bar at 7pm. The race went off at 11am. I left the bar at 7pm and there were still a lot of runners there. You know, what an after party. I mean, this is like, this is true. This is why I fell in love with the, with the sport of running and, and road races. I love getting out on the roads. I love competing. I always say, I said it, you know, all the time after I turned 21, of course, I want to be the first one to the finish <laughs> line 
and I want to be the last one to leave the post-race party. And, you know, people took that, people took that mentality to the heart. You know, there was, there was a lot of competition out there. People, let me, let me shout out the winners. So we got, we got Jacob Warmald on the men's side and Haley Shutter on the women's side, both taking home that $250 cash prize provided by the P2 Early Podcast. That's right. So people were out there grinding. You know, there was, there was a lot of studs up front trying to win that cash prize. And then people did not want to leave the bar. It was so awesome. I had so much fun. And I, you know what? I can't wait to do it again. I can't wait to sponsor our next road race. Steve, there's nothing quite like a post-race buzz that, I mean, there's just no other buzz that quite compares to it because the first couple of beers that you a little probably a little harder than they should, right? Your blood sugar might be a little bit low. You might be a little bit dehydrated, and then you're out in the sun, so you're getting that kind of like the the sun beers in. It's just there's nothing quite like it. It's a different kind of buzz or drunk going out there. Yeah, no, it was it, it was a good time, and uh, you know keep uh keep listening to us because you know we're gonna do this again. And if you missed this race, you gotta be at the next one because. You know, we're going to pick up right where we're left off, and we're going to keep bringing our A game, making these events better and better and better. I cannot wait. So, Mike, you know, we're, we're talking to this is our one-year anniversary, and we want to bring it back to a year ago. And so a year ago on one of our first ever podcasts, we were we were hyping up the indoor, nation, indoor NCAA national championships because – you know, we wanted to make sure that we were doing our part to promote the the NCAA's and and uh, you know get behind the athletes there. But we also, you know, the three of us, me, you, and Trent, we all had kind of a love of that indoor race. I mean, we're from New England. You know, we 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 grew up running in in cold winters and getting on those 200 meter tracks and doing laps around the 200 meter traps in in front of a you know in front of big crowds at places like BU, Harvard, Reggie Lewis. So we love. We love indoor races, so why don't we get into the uh, the indoor national championships the same way that we did a year ago? And so we don't have Trent, so maybe we can loop Trent in later. He can he can make his picks. So what Mike and I are do gonna do is we're gonna go through, we're gonna do a snake draft, and we're gonna pick athletes from the from the men's and women's side, you know, starting at the 800 all the way to the 5K. And so we're gonna how many athletes are we gonna pick, Mike? We're gonna do three women, three men, so six total. So from from the from the 800 mile, 3K and 5K. So we're each gonna pick one. Lowest combined places of all six athletes wins the prize. So Mike, you know I'm feeling generous. Why don't you kick us off? Why don't let's start on the men's side. Why don't you Why don't you start us off with the with the first pick on the on the men's side? Alrighty, man, I wasn't prepared for that. I thought for sure you were gonna uh, you were gonna take the the first Strategy, spot there, baby. but I like it. All right, so for my first pick, let's see, man, how do I want to approach this? With my first pick in the 5,000 meters, I'm going to take Trent's guy all day, Tyler Day. Let's go. From northern Arizona. The guy's just throwing down crazy times. He didn't have a cross season, so this is his you know, real big championship season. I'm ready to go. And how funny would it be if I – win with Tyler Day the first time Trent couldn't take him because he wasn't here to take him oh man I can't believe I can't believe you let my guy slide to the second pick I mean this is the easiest pick in the history of peak too early I'm taking our guy Ollie Hoare 
out of the University of Wisconsin in the mile as the number two overall pick. Who do you got for who do you got for your second pick, Mike? All right. So a guy that's going a little bit under the radar this year. You gotta find him all the way down at the seventh seed in the eight hundred meters. But he was up there competing against our guy Bryce Hopple all year last year. He's in my opinion, the best 800-meter runner in the country for college right now. That is Devin Dixon. He was my first pick overall last year, and I'm going to take him again. Oh. I mean, you just you just keep making my picks easier and easier. I'm taking Isaiah Jewett out of USC in the 800 with my with my second pick. You know, I like Devin Dixon. You know, he's he's fun to watch, but like as we discussed last year. I just don't know if he's got a nose for the finish line. I don't know if he can if he can hold it for a full 800 meters. You know, 799 meters isn't going to cut it. So I'm taking Isaiah. Alrighty, and then out of the mile, let's see, senior from Arizona. I love take playing the senior card. This is a guy who's always been in the mix but never really made it happen. But I feel good about him. Carlos Villarreal. He's taking it in the mile as my third pick. And with my third pick, I'm going with a with a little bit of a of a deep pick here, but you know what? This guy didn't let me down in cross country this year, and I don't think he's gonna let me down on the indoor track. I'm going with Joe Klecker. He's ranked number seven in the mm-hmm, five game. Mm-hmm. All right, moving on to the women's side. So Mike, do you mind if I take the first women's pick? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah let's reverse pick. it. Reverse, reverse. Right, let me, let You're me probably take gonna take my pick, here. but that's okay. Let me take a look here. I mean, like. I mean, what are we doing here? I mean, if I don't make this pick, then I should just be kicked off the podcast. I'm going to take Alicia Monson in the 3K out of Wisconsin. I mean, friend of the program, you know, again, didn't let us down in cross country. She's so not going to let me down the indoor track. Well, that's all right, because I'm going to take the senior from Colorado, Danny Jones, in the one mile. So, yeah, I think she is one of the probably the biggest favorite maybe men's and women's side in my book to take it down. Uh, she's been doing it her whole career at Colorado. So I feel pretty good about her falling to the number two pick. So with my second pick, you know what? I'm going to take a little bit of a surprise because the number one seed in the 800 is still out there, but I'm going to go to the number two seed. I'm going to go with the freshman out of Washington, Carly Thomas freshman. You know, she ran a 202 earlier this season. A lot of untapped potential. Let's see what she can do on the big stage at the national championship. Steve, two things I tend to stay away from these days are 800 meter runners because you never know what's going to happen, and athletes from the University of Washington. So good luck with that pick. <laughs> um, all right, let's see. I'm going to take Ian. See, this is where it gets tough with the doubles. You got to figure. All right. I think in the 3K, scrap that, in the 5K, I'm going to take Whiny Kaladi, your cross-country national champion. She's still out there. I got her in the 5K. See, Mike, you know, this is how I know I'm going to beat you. Because remember last year how Whiny Kaladi – False started like twice in the five. That's right. That's right. That wasn't track. great. That you wasn't know, great. How can you trust somebody 
that false starts multiple times in the national championship she's, on the Indo-Tech. She's a new girl. I do think we could pull some audio of you saying that you will never ever pick her again, and you just have a short memory. A year later, you're picking her on the on the, the indoor national championship. We probably could pull that, but lucky for me, I do the editing, so that's not gonna happen. <laughs> and she's a new girl. She's a cross country national champ. She's got a new confidence about her. She doesn't need to get off the line super quick. She doesn't need to do anything crazy. She's gonna sit back and dominate like she always does. All right, well, then I'm taking Katie Izzo out of Arkansas. Great pick. Not, That's a great not pick. Ar- not Arkansas, Arkansas, to take down Wani Kalati for the 5K National I like it. I like it. All righty. Let's see here. Man. All right, I think, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm big on contradicting myself here. Um, I just said I'm not going to take a UW girl, but I am going to take a UW girl in Jeez. the 3K. <laughs> How can we trust so, you? So hold on. Listen to my logic here. I'm going to take Katie Rainsberger in the 3K. She's a stud, but also when we had Lindy Jones on, she told us that she is training with Katie Rainsberger's mom. So I feel like the connection there, she's like a friend of a friend of the friend of the program, <laughs> got the good vibes going. Her mom's obviously a good coach. So that's what I'm taking. All right. Love it. Uh, and you know what? Amazing logic there. I mean, you can't. <laughs> You can't you can't go against that logic. I mean, you don't, I might as well they don't just teach that logic, Steve. No, no. So, Mike, this has been it's been a fun year. It's been a fun episode. I never thought you know we'd have we'd have Leo Manzano on the podcast. You know, this is a this is a really this is a really fun one for me. So, on that one, we kick off the bell lap. Yeah. So I think just it's it is a shame that Trent's on here. I think we'll have to do a little bit more reminiscing when we do finally get Trent on. Which who knows that could be another three months, but. It's been a heck of a year, and I don't know if we really knew. You know, we had a vision for what this podcast was going to be, but I don't know if we truly knew the direction it was going when we first started. I mean, I've already decided at the end of this episode I'm going to put a little clip from the pilot episode so people can kind of get a a grasp of where we started and, and, and where we came from. But it's just been an awesome journey, and I think in a lot of ways we still are finding our rhythm we're still learning more every time we do this and we're still you know getting a little bit better at the interviews and getting a little bit better on like getting people onto the show being able to target certain athletes so we got a long way to go and like we got the 27 video coming out from atlanta we got our blog still going it's like in a lot of ways yeah we're a year into this but it's like this next year feels like the first year this was our warm-up now we're actually getting on the line and starting a race here so I'm pumped for year two. I think we got some big things coming. Yeah, I mean, it took us it, it took us a year to figure out exactly what we're doing and exactly how to go about doing this. And I think we're finally you're right. I think we're finally hitting our stride, and I, that, that's really exciting. But guys, keep us going. Like we need a little bit of help to keep this thing going. So you know, go rate and subscribe on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. Buy a T-shirt. We still have a couple of T-shirts left. So check out peaktooearly.com. Buy a T-shirt and Mike. Other than that, I would have run faster, but I peaked too early. Hit me with the Josie. Josie's on a vacation far away. Come around and talk it over. So many things that I want to say. You know I like my girls a little bit older. I just want to use your love tonight.
good. Look, just give me one second here. I'm finishing up my logs. Uh, all right, I drank four Miller Lights today, sitting on five, so it's gonna get in logs. All right, I'm I'm looking for a good. Yeah, no, it's it's all it's all on flow track and oh, the whole okay. deal. So we're we're good. Yeah, yeah. If you guys want to check out my workout Wednesday that I I dropped earlier this week, uh, it was pretty it was pretty good. So yeah. Uh, no, I'm I'm doing good. Uh, this has been something we've been talking about getting online for a while now, and I'm excited about it. I'm excited about some of the stuff we're about to talk about tonight. Uh, so so Trent, what's up with you? How how you doing over there? Oh my goodness, you are so frozen. Uh, uh, can you guys hear me? Oh, there you are. You're back now. Holy hey, smoke. Hey, back in action. What what kind of Wi-Fi do you guys have over there at the... Uh, uh, we are... Uh, we're at the House of Sab over here. Yeah. Uh, it's talking to the mayor of Malden. And uh, normally we have the best Wi-Fi in the, the, the tri-state area. Uh, but tonight we don't, so I'm sorry about that. Um, but I'm excited to be here. Steve said we had a lot to talk about. I'm really curious to see what we're going to talk about. I have no idea where this is going to go, but I know it's going to be great. Well, I think we need to start uh, talking about it. I think a major event happened in all three of our lives not too long ago. Um, Patriots, sixth Super Bowl. And uh, it was a hell of a day. Trent was out in the middle of nowhere, out on the other side of the country skiing, you know, like an idiot, he scheduled a skiing trip on the Super Bowl. Um, but Mike and I watched the game together. But we had some pretty race activities that, uh, you know, it was it was a good time and it uh, it beat me up pretty good. But but Mike, what what? Why don't you tell us a little bit about the uh, the race we ran before the uh, the Super Bowl on Super Bowl Sunday? Yeah. So we um, first of all spent the following night up till about three in the morning. But yeah, the Saturday night up until like three in the morning betting on UFC and then like every college basketball game under the sun and then like random soccer games and stuff. So uh, we woke up not feeling super ready for the race, but that's usually how I like to run races. And betting on everything. We bet on everything. Yeah, it wasn't. We bet on an entire UFC card. We bet on a random soccer game. We found some random fight in the boxing match in Mexico to end the night because we just had to keep the ball rolling. I told yeah. Mike, I told Mike the winner, and he still picked the loser like an idiot. And I stand by, I stand by it. I, I, we can get into that later, but if it's gonna ruin my enjoyment of watching a game, I don't care if you tell me I'm gonna lose. I'm gonna bet on. It's like you're not gonna bet on an under, even if you tell me that the under is coming. It's just not gonna How? happen. How are you picking the boxer in the Mexican boxing match? I know you guys are avid boxing fans, but still, like, where, where's the pick well, from? See, here's the bet. Here's the bet. What we did was um, we did the uh, the over-under on rounds. So it was ten and a half rounds. And Mike, and it, so it was ten and a half rounds with the line, and it was a 13-round boxing match. I knew, I knew that this boxing match was absolutely going to go to a decision. Listen. Hoping for a knockout. Right? Listen. This thing was, I'd rather lose money than cheer for a decision. Listen, if you're cheering, if way, you're but... cheering for a boxing match to go 13 rounds and have it be some Floyd Mayweather tactical ass crap, then you can get the hell out of here, okay? Um, if and it, at that point, I was so deep in the hole that it literally exactly. didn't even matter. Well, I wasn't point. gonna make back my money. It was like I'm going out and I'm going out hard. And Steve said, "I'm telling you right now, it's gonna lose." And I said, "I don't care. I'm going for it." So I did. And Steve, I, you know, that, that's the difference between Mike and me, like me and you. We're here to make money. You know, I don't gamble for fun. I'm not a degenerate gambler who bet on Robert Morris tonight. They got their ass kicked by 21 to Sacred Heart. 
I don't gamble for fun. I gamble the fucking win. So I don't know what's wrong with Mike. See, if you are gambling, there's a difference between Mike and I and you. We have what's that? Internet. As soon as you are able, woman, I am willing to take the break that we are on the brink of. My cup is on the table I love is spilling Waiting here for you to take and drink up If you're tired of the same old story Don't turn some page Clapping, felt the desert burn.